is a bucket passage you row. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to John chapter 15. If you've been following along in your Go Green reading plan, uh, John 15 is our reading for today. Uh, and so uh, I had a whole message prepared, started working on it Tuesday out of John chapter 13. We were going to talk about Jesus uh, washing his disciples' feet, and we were going to talk about how it's so important to understand our identity, uh, and that when we get a healthy identity, then that enables us to make a difference, because it talks in John 13 about how Jesus knew who he was, and he knew where he came from, and then he got down and he served. He, he, he got low. Uh, and then this morning, I woke up at 4 o'clock like I normally do on Sunday mornings, and I did my reading for the day, read John 15, and God said, no, this is what you're preaching about today. So this is the first time, this has never happened that I can remember where the day of the message, God changed it. It's happened a couple times like on Friday or Saturday, uh, never on Sunday morning in my own Bible reading. Uh, so this is a new one. But uh, this is so perfect for our series, guys. As we finish up Go Green, this series is all about getting spiritually healthy, um, and, and this is is absolutely uh, one of the, the great guides in order for us to get there. So John chapter 15, we're going to read the first 15 verses. We're not reading the whole one, the whole book, uh, chapter. That way you can't have an excuse not to read today. So if you've not been doing your Go Green reading plan, pick one up out at the Connection Center. You can read John 15 today um, and just finish strong through this week. We've got seven days left in this reading plan. I highly encourage you to participate. John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. This verse starts out with, with this saying of Jesus that we see seven times in the book of John. He says, I am. And then he goes on behind it and says something else. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am, I am, I am. Here he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And so not only is Jesus making an illustration or a metaphor here, he's declaring his godhood. Uh, I am is in the Old Testament, Yahweh means I am. It's, it's the personal name of God. In other words, he, he can't be defined. He's greater than anything we can understand. Who, who are you, Lord, Moses says, and God says, I am. I just am. I existed before anything else. I, just, I am existence itself. I am. I'm greater than anything you need. I am everything you need. I am. And so Jesus comes and he declares, I am the true vine. And, and so in this passage, we're going to see him unpack this particular metaphor. He says, my father is the gardener, and he, my father, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. King James says famously, abide in me, abide, remain, stick in me, stick with me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So ultimately, you, you may be able to have some success. You may be able to make a name for yourself. You may be able to accumulate wealth. You may be able to accumulate pleasure. You may be able to do a lot of stuff. But ultimately, fruit that lasts, fruit that's eternal, you can't produce any of that apart from relationship with Jesus Christ. Things that truly matter, a legacy that truly impacts, can never be accomplished apart from being connected to Jesus. Verse 6, he says, if you do not remain in me, excuse me, verse 5, skipped it. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. Anybody want to bear much fruit? That's what I want as a Christian. Isn't that what we want? 
He says, you will bear much fruit, not just a little fruit, not some, some rotten fruit, not some, some wimpy little fruit. Like you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So he says, father has this incredible love for me. I've got this incredible love for you. Don't walk away from it. Don't turn away from it. Stick, remain in my love. And he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and I remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So in other words, he's not telling us this to discourage us. He's not telling us this to, to put us down. We're talking about pruning. We're talking about clipping some things off. We're talking about some stuff that's maybe not comfortable. But this is not Jesus getting in our face and, and, and talking down to us. This is Jesus showing us the way to complete joy. So there is a complete, there's a greater joy for you to experience. If you will follow this path, if you will unpack this lesson, you can have complete joy. Joy. I don't know about you, that's the kind of joy I want. Man, I, I want true joy. I don't want joy that, that is fleeting. I don't want happiness for a moment. Ultimately, what God is saying here is he's saying, I know how to make you happy greater than you know how to make yourself happy. You may try some things on your own that'll make you happy for a season, but I know how to give you true joy, complete joy, joy that lasts forever. <clears throat> so how do we get that? He said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Then he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that, that you have called us friends. Lord, that you have declared that because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because of uh, his blood, that we can be brought in, not just to your family, God, but we can even be your friend. Uh, Lord, we thank you that, that Jesus is the true vine, Lord God, that you are the gardener. And so we ask you today to do some gardening. God, we ask you today to, to take out your clippers uh, and, and begin to trim and begin to prune things out of us that we don't need, Father God. Show us through your spirit what we need to do to, to line up completely to this place where we would bear much fruit. God, we believe, we receive today that City Church would bear much fruit in this city, God, that we would reach many for your glory. We just claim that. We ask you to help us to get there. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a kid growing up in Seattle, Washington, uh, we, we lived in the same house my whole life until right before I turned 15, and that's when we moved to North Carolina, and then I've moved like 15 times since then. But so I had this, this very like sense of security growing up. We were always in the same place, and I knew my house and my neighborhood very well. And one of the things, that, we lived in the city of Seattle, and so one of the things you give up if you live in the city is you don't have much yard. So our yard was, was like seriously probably... Our front porch was this back wall. Our yard ended at this first row of chairs, and we had no backyard at all. Uh, so very, very little. But one thing we did have is we had a small garden right out in front of our front window. And so my parents would go out and tend the garden, and, of course, they'd pay us like a dollar to pull weeds sometimes or whatever. Uh, but, but once a year, something special happened or something unusual. Uh, my dad especially would do this because he was especially proud of it. He would go out with some shears, some clippers, and he would prune the rose bush, 
The rose bush was, was the most prominent thing in our front garden. They loved this rose bush. And I don't know, I was a boy and didn't really think roses were all that. I still don't really get like the rose obsession, but I buy roses for my wife. I'm that smart. I get that much. I understand that a lot of people love them. Uh, and, and so I remember thinking how weird it was. Like they loved this rose bush and people would come over and they'd come and like, oh, we love your rose bush. Da, da, da. It's so awesome because it was right next to the front door. You couldn't miss it. And I remember thinking how weird it was that if you love this bush, why do you go cut it every year? Well, why do you grab these clippers and you find some branches and you start taking these things out? It just seemed so backwards. Doesn't that seem backwards? Like if you don't understand gardening, doesn't that seem counterintuitive? Like, here, let me help you grow. I'm going to clip something off of you. In fact, Vince, come up here real quick. Vince is going to help me demonstrate this. So stand right here for me, Vince. Vince, I'm going to take these clippers, um, and because I love you and because I'm a good gardener, I'm going to cut off one of your fingers, uh, and it's going to be better for you. Sound good? No. Look at that faith. Like, no hesitation, just sticks his finger in there, ready to go. Like, what if I slipped? What if I had a heart attack and, like, clenched my fist right now? Like, you'd be be done, man. I'd rush you to the hospital first. (laughs) He'd rush me to the hospital first. The selflessness. Get up for Vince for me. Thank you. Nobody likes to be pruned, right? Like, like it seems so counterintuitive. Like, I don't want to lose something to make something better. And yet, that's what you do when you garden. You find those branches that, that aren't bearing fruit. You find those, those pieces of the bush that aren't flourishing. You say, you know what? We're going to sacrifice this thing. We're going to cut this off and get rid of it. Why? So that the plant can send the nutrients to the part of the plant that are bearing fruit. So instead of wasting water, instead of wasting the the nutrients from the soil to go to this part of the the bush that isn't doing anything, we're going to send all those nutrients and all that water and all the good stuff, we're going to send it to the part of the bush that is blooming, to the part of the bush that is flourishing, to the part of the bush that is growing. And if you've ever done any gardening, you understand this, and this is super, super basic. But I, I think that there's so much power in this because Jesus says that God is a gardener. In fact, the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is just simply that. God is a gardener. Have you ever thought of God that way? I mean, we think of God in a lot of different ways. I don't know that we often think of him as a gardener, but isn't it interesting? When God created mankind, what did he do? He put them in a garden. Of all the places he could put them, he said, I'm putting you in a garden. I think God has a great love for his plant creation. I think he put a lot of thought into the way he was designing trees and bushes and flowers and fruits and vegetables and all these things to grow. I think he was very detailed and very intentional. But not only is he a gardener in his creation out there, he's a gardener in us, in his church, in his people. In fact, going back through verse 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So God's a gardener. What is he gardening in you right now? What is he pruning in your life right now? What is he saying, you know what, that part of you isn't bearing fruit. That, that habit, that activity, that thing you're giving your time to, you're giving your focus to, that's preventing you from flourishing over here. That's preventing you from blooming over here. That's preventing you from being all that I've created you to do over here. So I'm gonna clip this thing off and I'm gonna get rid of it so that we can send all the important stuff, all the time, all the energy, all the focus to this part of you that I've called to bear fruit. God is gardening things in you and in me. And I think his goal is for you to flourish. He says, I want you to bear much fruit. And I think that's the heartbeat of this series. That's the whole idea of Go Green. We're spending three weeks getting spiritually healthy, 
What was my dad doing when he brought out those clippers and went out to the rose bush? He was making that rose bush healthier. It didn't look like it to me as a young boy. It looked like he was destroying it. But my dad knew what he was doing. He was a good gardener. And he was making that bush better. This is the heartbeat of this series. It's the heartbeat for sure of our message today. In fact, I titled part three of our message, uh, of our series, Faith That Flourishes. Faith That that flourishes. This is my desire in my life. I hope it's your desire for your life, that we would have faith that flourishes. Sometimes uh, I think that, that we get so caught up in just survival mode. Like we just have this, if I can just make it to X, if I can just make it to the weekend, we've all uttered those words, right? If I can just make it through this week, this is the, the crunch week, this is the busy week, this is the crazy week. If I can just make it to the closing date, right, Tim? If I can just make it to, if I can just make it to camp this week, maybe you're struggling spiritually as a young person, you know, hey, if I can just make it to camp, I'm going to be all right. If I can just make it to the mission trip, if I can just make it uh, to, to the end of the school year, if I can just make it to graduate. If I can just make it, and, and we all have seasons where we're like that, don't get me wrong, but I don't think God created us to be a just make it people. God created us to be a people that flourish. God created us to be a people that thrive. God is a God of victory, a God of dominion, a God of more than enough. And so when God puts on his gardening gloves and he goes to work in your heart and in my heart, he's not trying to help Caleb just make it through the day. He's not trying to get Bobby to just make it to the weekend. He's not trying to help Allie just make it to the through her pregnancy, right? I'm sure you can identify with that one. He wants the season to bear fruit. He wants to do something great and something powerful in our lives. He illustrates this in Psalm chapter 92. Verses 12 through 14, listen to this. Psalm 92 says, the righteous, which by the way, if you're a Christian, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. This is not a definition of what you do. This is your identity point because of what Jesus has done for you. So you are the righteous if you're a Christian. The righteous will flourish. Everybody say flourish. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. In the courts of God, he says it again. The righteous will flourish. They'll flourish. And then he wraps it up with this in verse 14. Some of you need to claim this as your life verse. They will still bear fruit in old age. Praise God. Right? So you're getting up there. I will still bear fruit in old age. It's not over for me yet. If I'm not dead, I'm not done. I will still bear fruit. And then he says they will stay fresh and green. Paraphrase outcast. God wants us to be so fresh and so green right? This is what God has for us. He wants us to flourish. This is God's design for his people. God wants you to flourish. And so I'm going to help you, let you guys help me preach this sermon today. Look to the person next to you and say, God wants you to flourish. And then look to, look to your second choice and say, God even wants you to flourish. God wants us to flourish. It's encouraging. It's good, man. It starts out strong. Man, God's a gardener. He wants me to flourish. I'm excited for this. John 15 is awesome. And then verse 2 hits. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that I will be even more fruitful. We're all ready for the flourishing, man. We'll all claim that. Make me flourish, Lord. Let me flourish in my work. Let me flourish in my family. Let me flourish in my time with you. Let me flourish in telling others about you. God, let me flourish. We all want to flourish. But flourishing comes with a price. 
See, there is no flourishing without pruning. You will not flourish long-term. You will not flourish to the fullness of your potential without God taking out the clippers and saying, you know what? That's got to go. You don't need that anymore. That isn't my best for you. Snip, snip, snip. And nobody enjoys the pruning. I've been pruned in my life in multiple times and multiple ways. I'll tell you about some of them in our message today, but I'll just tell you this straight up. I've never been pruned by God where I was like, yes, praise God. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Like, I, like I've never had God start taking stuff out of my life or laying stuff on my heart. And he said, you know what? You need to quit that. You need to let that go. And never been like, yes, this is it. God, praise Jesus. It's not that spiritual moment. I'm not like doing a dance around my bedroom when God breaks out the pruning clippers. You know what I'm usually doing? I'm shrinking back. I'm cowering. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you go prune Melody for a minute, Lord? Like, why don't you go prune somebody else? Someone's got this thing in their life. You need to get rid of that more than I need. Just being honest. I don't just sign up for it. I'm the first volunteer at the front of the pruning line. I don't enjoy it. It's uncomfortable. But if I'm going to be the person God's created me to be, if we're going to be the church that God's created us to be, if you're going to be the individual, the Christ follower, the husband, the wife, the young person that God has asked you and created you to be, it's not going to happen without this. You will not flourish if you are not pruned. It's a truth. You can hold on to it. You can bank on it. We all must be pruned. So what I want to do today so I want to unpack for you just, just four thoughts that I had on pruning, four things that I felt like God gave me this morning as I was reading over this. And as he said, you know what, you're, that whole message you, pre, you put together on John chapter 13, you put that in the bank and we'll bring that out some other time. But, but this is what you need to go before my people with today. So four things about pruning. The first thought that I have on pruning is, is number one, God prunes those he loves. God prunes those he loves. You see, God's pruning is not God's punishment. God's pruning is not his anger or his wrath. God's pruning is not, I've got an issue with you and you're messed up, so I'm going to do something to hurt you. When my dad, my, my dad is not a great gardener by any means. And really the only, I don't ever remember him pruning anything except that one rose bush. And we had all kinds of flowers in the garden. We had all kinds of other stuff out there. Why did he prune the rose bush? Because the rose bush was his favorite. Because the rose bush was the crown jewel. Because the rose bush was the one that he wanted to, to display for the world to see, for the world to enjoy. That's the one that he pruned. What does that tell you? When God comes knocking on the door of your heart, when the Holy Spirit starts speaking and saying, you know what? This thing in your life, it's got to go. Don't shrink back from that like I tend to do. Don't, don't, don't step away from that. Lean into that because that's the voice of God's love. His pruning is not an expression uh, of his dislike or his disapproval. His pruning is an expression of his deep love for you. It's an expression of his favor for you. It's an expression of him saying, look, I've created you for something great, and I want to help you to get there. So I'm going to take out my clippers, and I'm going to snip, snip some stuff out of your life that you don't need so that you can have the very best that I have for you. Don't just take my word for it. Skipping down in the very context of this passage that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. He says this to his disciples, verse 12. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So, so he's speaking, he's referring and, and prophesying about what he's about to do. This is just days. In fact, most believe the night before he's betrayed. 
is when this conversation takes place. He's about to go to the cross the next day to die for the disciples, to show them this greater love that no man has. And in the context of this, he says, hey, I love you. I love you so deeply. My father loves you. He loves you so deeply. So get ready because he's going to start clipping. Because he loves you, he's going to start taking some stuff out of you. He's going to start showing you some stuff that he's not going to tolerate in your life anymore. We've got to get number one down because if we don't get number one, then we're going to resist it. If we don't understand that his pruning is his love for us, then we're going to try to avoid it. We're going to try to dodge it. We're going to miss out on it. And we've got to know this because pruning can be painful. It can be difficult. The second thing I want you to see is that God gives us a chance to prune ourselves. God gives us a chance to prune ourselves. In fact, I think this is absolutely God's preferred way of doing it. I don't think that God likes taking stuff away from his people. I don't think God likes taking jobs away from his people. I don't think he likes taking relationships away from his people. I don't think he likes taking stuff away from people. I think that God wants to bless his people. He wants to provide for his people. He wants to give to his people. And so what's he going to do? He's going to start speaking to your heart when there's something in your life that doesn't need to be there. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's why he put him there, to lead you and to guide you. And the Holy Spirit's going to just knock and say, you know, man, you, need to, you need to cut this thing out. Or you need to cut back in this area. This thing is becoming too important to you. You're giving too much focus to this, habit, this activity. It doesn't have to be a sin thing. It can just be a thing. But you know what? This isn't my best for you for this season. I need you to let this go. He's going to start speaking. So the question is, are we going to respond? The question is, are we going to listen? But I believe God always gives us the chance to prune ourselves before he takes out the clippers. But number three, closely tied to it, is God will do the pruning if he has to. God will do the pruning in the lives of his people if he has to because he loves us. This is how we get to the point of, of these major pastors failing, right? Like you, I could say certain names and everybody in here would know, oh, so-and-so hired a prostitute. So-and-so stole money. So-and-so was big and vocal and, and everybody knew who they were and, and spectacularly fell. How do they get there? Sometimes people think that, oh, they were just very deceptive. They were, they were just trying to be selfish from the beginning. They didn't really, their heart was never in the right place. And maybe there's some people that that's the case. I don't think that's most often the case. I think most often they start out in a good place doing good things. But little by little, they turn a deaf voice, deaf ear to the voice of God. God says, I need you to stay away from this relationship. No, I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. I can handle it. I'm not going to let that mess me up, God. God says, I need you to quit looking at that thing on the internet. No, it's all right, God. Nobody has to know about that. That's not going to be an issue for me. God, God says, hey, I need you to get some accountability with this financial issue. Some people need to know what's going on. There needs to be some transparency so that you don't fall, so that you don't mess up. No, God, that's not going to happen to me. And little by little, they ignore the voice of God. They don't prune themselves. And so how do they end up falling so spectacularly is they get to a point where God says, I got no choice. I'm going to have to cut. You left me no other option. I've waited as long as I can. I've tolerated this as long as I can. I've given you so many opportunities to fix this, so many opportunities to repent. But because I love you, I love you too much to leave you right where you're at in this sin. And so I'm going to have to cut. And so God goes to work and he begins to prune and he exposes. And it doesn't just happen to pastors. It doesn't just happen to, to big Christian leaders. It happens to all of us in areas of our life where, where God's been knocking, God's been pointing, God's been saying, fix it, fix it, get rid of it, take care of it. And we ignore him. And eventually God gets to the point where he says, all right, then I'm going to have to take it from you. I'm going to have to yank it out of your life. John 15, 2 says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it'll be even more 
fruitful. In my own life, I, I had two very long-term dating relationships that, that started out good. They started out, the girls were Christians, but we started out serving God together and pursuing God together. One was in high school. The other one was kind of bridged the gap between high school and college. First one lasted two years. The second one was a year and a half. But in both of these relationships, over the course of time, little by little, we, we, we quit doing the right things and we started doing the wrong things. And before you knew it, we were very far from God's best in our relationship. We were very impure. We were not honoring God. We, we were in a very bad place. And in both of those relationships, I can tell you, God spoke to me again and again and again. You need to cut this thing off. You need to break this thing up. You need to take a break. You need to push pause. This isn't healthy. This isn't going anywhere fruitful for you. You're bringing destruction into your life. And you know what I did? I ignored it. I stuck in that relationship. And I kept doing what I was doing. And I might try to fix a little bit over here or, or repent over here, but I didn't give him the relationship. And inevitably, we ended up right back where we were every time. And so each of those relationships, they, they were over a period of four years. So two years, six months in between, a year and a half. So over a four-year period where I was pursuing both of these relationships, both of them ended with the girl cheating on me and me finding out about it and being crushed. I mean, devastated. I mean, heartbroken. I mean, how could this happen? You told me you love me. We talked about getting married, et cetera, et cetera. All this stuff, both of them ended up exactly the same way. And it's my fault. Because God wanted me to cut that thing out a long time ago. But I was called into ministry. I was a Christian, set aside ministry, but I was going to go to Bible college. In fact, for the second relationship, I was in Bible college, pursuing ministry, tolerating this junk on the side. God said, for where you're going, you can't have this. For the call I have on your life, you can't do it. And so if you won't take out the clippers and fix it, I will. And it hurts. Man, it stung. It didn't hurt anymore. I'm way over it. Praise God, it happened. But it hurt at the time. It, did not, it was not enjoyable for one little bit. I hated it. But if God hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have the wife that I have today. I wouldn't have two awesome kids. I wouldn't have a woman who challenges me, who pushes me forward, who holds me accountable, who, who supports me in ministry. Like, I'm so far better off. But it didn't just happen like that. See, God pruned two relationships out of my life. And then through his spirit, he, he caused me to prune some things. So what happened is after the four years of, of these two unhealthy, sinful relationships, I finally got it. I got on my knees, I repented, and I said, okay, God, clearly I can't be in a dating relationship and honor you, so I'm choosing to honor you, so I'm just not going to date. So I told God I was going to take a season off from dating. I thought it was going to be about a year. God had other plans. He didn't let me date again for four years. Four years. This I was 19 years old when I first had this conversation, almost 20, in Bible college. Everybody's hooking up. Everybody's getting married. Like the theme of the school was like ring by spring or your money back, right? Like all this is going on around me. And I can't date. And there's godly women there. There's people who are called into ministry. There's people who want to go to the mission field and want to be pastor's wives. And, and this awesome, awesome group of people around me. And God says, no. I'm pruning this out of your life because right now you're not at a place where you're healthy enough to handle this the right way. And so for four years, I was obedient to that. Four years is a long time. I didn't, if I'd have known, if he'd have told me up front it was four years, I might not have done it. But <laughs> thankfully, he didn't tell me up front. But I got to a much better place. I got to a healthy place where he could bring something healthy into my life. And so he pruned some things, and then he let me prune some things. 
And now there's an area of my life that's flourishing, an area that used to be dead, an area that used to be sinful, an area of my life that used to be God dishonoring. I now have a marriage that honors him. I now have been blessed with two kids who are amazing, who I love so much. All of that's come because of God loved me enough to prune. Didn't enjoy it, didn't like it, didn't sign up for it, but I'm so grateful that he did it. God will do the pruning if he has to. So let's not make him. If you get anything out of this message, the best thing you can get is listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and deal with stuff on your own. So God doesn't have to break out the the clippers for you. Don't make him do it. But number four, the last main point I want for you today is thought on pruning is the goal of pruning is fruitfulness. The goal of pruning is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness, er, Pruning is not punishment. This is not God angry at you and mad at you and pouring out his wrath on you. God poured out his wrath on Jesus, so it's not going to get poured out on me because I've received Jesus. This was not God's wrath being poured out on me. This was God's love for me saying, this is unfruitful in your life and it's got to go because I want you to flourish. And so he had to cut it out so that I can flourish. And so when God's pruning, when God's speaking to your heart about something that has to go, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a habit, whether it's just something you're doing with your time, whether it's, it's an addiction, whether it's whatever it might be, maybe it's financial, God's asking you to give up some money, God's asking you to step away from a job, I don't know what it is, but when God's pruning, understand this, the goal of God's pruning is always fruitfulness. I want you to bear much fruit. And so I'm taking this thing away from you so that you can bear more, so that you can flourish, so that you can produce more for my kingdom. I told you already, we had seven kids get saved this week. So cool, so awesome to me. But it didn't just happen. You know why it happened? Happened because we had over 20 adult volunteers and teenage volunteers who gave up two hours every night for four nights. That's eight hours per person times 20. That's over 160. Then you add in all the time that they spent setting up on Sunday. You add in that it was actually about 24, 25 people who were involved. We get easily over 200 hours invested in vacation Bible school. Two hours, you could say 200 hours were pruned for vacation Bible school. How many TV shows didn't get watched this week? Somebody's ratings went down because of VBS, right? Like, like how much didn't happen this week that normally would have happened because some people said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give something up over here so that I can flourish over here, so that God's kingdom can grow over here. And seven kids came to Jesus. 28 kids got excited about Jesus because some people gave up some time. See, that's the goal of pruning. God's not, not bringing his, cl- his clippers out to make life miserable for you. He's not bringing his clippers out to make things uncomfortable for you. He's not bringing them out because he's mad at you. He's bringing them out because he's got something to do in you and something to do through you. And he wants to show off to the world, just like my dad wanted to show off his rose bush on our front porch. God wants to show off, look at what I've done in so-and-so. Look at what I've done in Hannah's life. Look at what I've done in Tim. Look at the way that he is flourishing. That's the whole point. That's why God prunes, because he wants you to flourish. He wants you to be fruitful. Three kids, to extend the analogy out, I already told you. Three kids came because people went out, because Dan and the Holly boys went out and put postcards out. And they found out about Vacation Bible School. That's more fruit. They gave up two hours out of their life, and three kids got to come to VBS. And one of them might have been one that got saved. I don't know who with the seven are that got saved. I wasn't here that Friday night. So I, this was awesome on his own. Like, Naomi knocked this thing out of the park, and I didn't even have to be here. Praise Jesus. That, that we can do stuff as a church, and more than just me, 
This church is bigger than Pastor Troy, and that's a good, good thing, and it needs to be bigger than me. Um, but, but all of that happened because people allowed God to prune. Prune two hours out of my Monday night, God. Prune some stuff out of me. Yield and give in to the pruning. Don't resist it. Hebrews 12, 1 says this, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So, so here's what's happening. The author of Hebrews, if you're familiar with the book, chapter 11 is kind of one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. It's the hall of faith. And it talks about all these legendary men and women, all the incredible things that they did for the kingdom of God. And then so Paul, the, uh, the author of the book starts to transition into chapter 12. And he says, because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, because there's so many incredible Christians who went before us, who laid down their lives for the glory of God because of everything that they did, let us do what? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. What does that tell me? That tells me that pruning is really not even so much about sin. See, the the sin in that verse is almost like an afterthought, isn't it? Let us throw off everything that hinders us, and oh yeah, the sin too. But it's the stuff that hinders that he's really getting at. In other words, I'm not saying sin's not an issue. Sin's absolutely an issue. We need to deal with it. But, but the, the point is, there's a lot of stuff that hinders us that maybe isn't sin, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that we give our time to, we give our heart to, that, that we just give our focus to. And God's saying, look, maybe this isn't a sinful thing and maybe you don't even have to get rid of it forever. I've had seasons where God told me to give up some specific music and then he gave it back to me later on, but it was just for that season, I didn't need to be listening to that stuff. And God clipped it out of my life. Sometimes he'll give it back to you, sometimes he won't, but he, he's gonna give you something better if he doesn't. I promise you that. But let's throw off everything that hinders. The other thing that jumps out at me in that statement is the onus is on us. In other words, ideally, God doesn't have to be the one that cuts out everything that hinders from your life. Ideally, we get to a point where we're so in tune with the Holy Spirit, where we're so connected to the vine of Jesus Christ that we see it for ourselves. What would happen this week if if this group of people, seven days this week, if as we do our Go Green reading plan, What if we just ask God, God, show me what you want to prune in my life. Could you be courageous enough to put that request before God? Because what if he he wants to take something away that I really like? Then he's got something better. What if he's going to tell me something I don't want to hear? Do you trust him? Do you believe in him? Do you believe he's for your good? I do. And so I'm not afraid to ask him that question. I'm asking him that question this week. God, what needs to be pruned in my life? And I invite you on that journey with me. And I believe as we open up our hearts and our minds to hear from the voice of God, to hear from the Holy Spirit, he's going to put his finger on some stuff. And some of it might be really obvious and say, yeah, I knew about that anyway, and I've just been lazy. I'm going to get that fixed. And some of it maybe will be really surprising. God, I didn't expect that. But if we're obedient to the voice of God and we begin to allow the pruning to take shape in our life, what's going to happen? You will bear much fruit. That's the point. That's the purpose. God wants to bear fruit in your life and in my life. So I got this one last thought I want you to write down if you're taking notes and then I'm gonna get out of your way. Simply this, God provides when we prune. God provides when we prune. When we're willing to do what Hebrews 12, one says and, and throw off the weights that are hindering us and the sin that's entangling us. When we go to work with it on our own and we cut it out on our own, God's provision is right around the corner. 
God's going to bless. God's going to provide. God's going to do something incredible in our life when we're willing to allow him to prune some stuff, when we're willing to hear his voice and deal with it ourselves instead of waiting until he has to do it. So let's be that people, amen? Let's be people who, who prune the things that need to be pruned so that we can flourish as God wants us.